Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Now's the time to help us out. There are so many ways you can. Subscribe, leave us a review, share your favorite episode, or become a sponsor, or do all of the above. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk on Twitter, and visit TheatreInTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She's a witchy one, but she's always popping, especially when she's got her poppers. It's the incomparable Sherry Poppins. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good, baby. How are you? I'm okay. It's spring, which means allergy season is here for us all. Girl. I, yeah, it's, I'm like dying right now. I took a Claritin. I took like my nasal spray. Hopefully I don't sneeze all over this podcast. <laughs> I don't know how I haven't, but everyone around me slowly, one by one is like falling. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, it's a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. It was that Heidi's show last night and it was like, we were just having fun. And then all of a sudden I'm sneezing and sneezing and sneezing. Luckily I didn't do it too much during her actual show. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it's wild. And I, like, hopefully I'll be better because I'm supposed to do stuff later, but I'm kind of like, I just want to stay in bed and not do anything. <laughs> See, that's when I record those sneezes and you turn them into the buttons at the end of all the mixes. <laughs> like she's done in that. Not you. <laughs> That'd be fine. Why has no one done that yet? I think it's hilarious. There we go. There we go. Well, we're here to talk about you. Cute. I know that's really scary and terrifying, but. We're going to learn all about you. As a Gemini, I'm not very comfortable with talking about my Gemini? Uh-oh, <laughs> is it Gemini season? It is. Oh, God. Well, at least it's not Taurus season anymore. <laughs> Done with that shit. All right, let's start from the beginning. Where are you from? Um, originally, I'm from uh, Long Island. Long Island? Long what, Island. What, what, what part? Um, from Oceanside, so it's okay. like the south shore of Nassau by like so Long Beach. So do you go to the mall and have some coffee? I do, I do. I used to work in the Roosevelt Field Mall. Of course you did. Yeah. Where did you work? I worked at Lush. Well, I worked at Tivana first, uh, RIP. we love Tivana. Before Tivana was um, taken by Starbucks, and then, yeah, and then I worked for Lush there. Nice. For a little bit, yeah. What was life like in Long Island? Um, <sighs> I hate Long Island now, but back then, before I, like, hated it, I mean, a lot of cookie-cutter lifestyles, you know what I mean? And... In trying to speak about it in an unbiased way, I mean, definitely, you know, lots of comfort, um, small, like, town kind of vibes, um, a lot of, like, beach going, obviously, you know, nightlife once you got, like, a little older, though it was very, very straight, you know what I yeah. mean? Everyone, Everything that was queer was kind of more underground. Not that it wasn't, like, accepted. I mean, it was a liberal area, but, like, it just didn't... There was no space for it, really. Yeah, if you wanted that kind of experience, you go to the city. It's close enough. Exactly. The L-I-double-R. Exactly, and that's exactly what I did, yeah. Now, which stop did you live off of on the L-I-double-R? I lived off of the Baldwin stop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. technically, though, I went to, like, Oceanside schools and things like that, our house was, like, the last block in Baldwin. So that one was just so much closer to me. Nice. Yeah. So you grow up in Long Island, and then it's time to go to school. And where do you go? I went to SUNY Purchase, which is in Westchester. Yeah. Yeah. Why SUNY Purchase? Um, I think the biggest appeal to me at first was that it was super queer. um, Right. And it had a very large, like, queer community and presence on campus. And uh, when I was in high school, I had two friends, actually, that were the year above me that ended up going there. And they were like, oh, come visit. And I did, and I had, I was there for a single night, and I had, like, the wildest experience that, to me, was just like, I need to go here. Yeah. Now, what did you study there? 
I studied fine art photography. Uh, I got my BFA in that, and then I uh, declared a minor as well in Mandarin language, like Mandarin oh, Chinese. Oh, fun! I know, quirky combo. What kind of people would you say attend SUNY Purchase? Definitely the people that I was in high school. You know, the uh, the weirdos, the um, the nerds, the artistic type. You know, and I'm putting air quotes on that. But you know, very artsy kids. Very uh, you know, all the all the kids that used to go to, like Bamboozle and Warp Tour went to SUNY Purchase. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, um, but it it made the it made the community very diverse, which I appreciated. What was the draw to SUNY Purchase as opposed to maybe going to, like, a different state, at least? For sure. I mean, I, I wanted to stay close to the city. Um, I wanted to stay close to home, you know, just for... Not really for friends. I kind of deaded all the friends I had in high school relatively quick. But uh, to stay with, them, um, you know, close to my family, close to the city. And also just, you know, I don't know. It was far away enough that I didn't right. have to go there. Whenever you had I wanted. to take at least two trains to get home. Right, right, right. But it only really took, realistically, an hour and 45 minutes right. to get home. So it wasn't terrible. So while you're at school, you're studying, you're learning, you're doing drag. Yeah. When that, did that start? That actually started freshman year of college. And it was something that I never, ever, until then, even during it, in the very beginning, thought I ever was going to do or had interest in doing. Um, but... Uh, there's a drag queen now in Brooklyn named Ms. Jade, Ms. Jade, Queen of Shade, and she went to my college. In fact, she was actually my summer orientation leader. Wow. The summer before, yeah, I know, fates colliding, right? She was the my summer orientation leader before I attended officially, and um, I thought she was great. She was super fun, and then, you know, fast forward to fall semester, she asked if I could backup dance for one of her performances on campus. I said, sure, I did that. And then during one of the rehearsals, I think she very lightheartedly just said to me in like her very way that she is, she was like, you can be a good little drag queen. You're cute and you're twinky and like la la la. And I was like, okay, ha ha. Um, but then she had a, a, um, a show on what we called like PTV, Purchase Television, called Hot Mess Express. And she did an episode of like Drag Makeup 101. And I volunteered to be the, the face that she painted. Baby, the fantasy that happened. I looked a hot mess because Fifi Dubois was actually also on that episode helping paint me because they, they were sisters in college, Fifi and her. And um, between the two of them, I came out as this creature and I lived my fantasy. I came home at like one in the morning, woke up all my roommates, was like, look at me, you know. So let's describe Sherry Poppins. Three words. Uh, quirky, bad influence, versatile. Yeah. I like that. What is the origin story of your name? Uh, well, my name actually wasn't Sherry Poppins from the beginning. Um, my name originally, I, it's almost embarrassing to say, uh, was Liza Lust. Okay, okay. And I couldn't A little even, more classic. Right. Well, because that was the thing was I knew, and this is also what Sherry Poppins stemmed from, I knew that I wanted my name to be some sort of double entendre or some sort of homage to like that whole idea of like classy and trashy, right? Yeah. Um, and so I thought Liza, like, even though I'm not a huge Broadway, like showgirl kind of gay, uh, you know, I thought Liza Minnelli, I thought like classic old vintage names. So Liza and then Lust, you know, obviously for reasons I don't need to explain, kind of fit that bill. It rolled off the tongue well, but I, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't in love with the name. It was just more of like an interim name, you know? 
And then, lucky, luckily enough, just before my first time ever performing, like two weeks shy of it, I switched it to Sherry Poppins. And that is an, was kind of a blend of, like, Mary Poppins, cherry popping, and then just, like, a little... And then I love wine, so I, instead of making a cherry dish, Sherry, like, a fine wine, and that was kind of where it all came Amazing. through. Yeah. How long does it take to transform into Sherry? Now, well, it depends on the look. My standard, you know, my standard face and, like, outfits and all that, I've cut it down now to about an hour and a half. Not bad. Though I like to give myself... And that's including, like, doing the body and the hair and the pins and all that shit. I like to give myself at least two to feel comfortable. Uh, but I'm, I'm ha- I have a way right now where I'm tracking myself on time. And I'm trying to cut down to my makeup being uh, an hour and ten minutes. Nice. Nice. Do you have any like, traditions you have when you get ready? Yes. Uh, I mean, lately, I always make coffee uh, if I'm tired. Or I just have wine if I'm not. And I sit down and I drink. I sit on my bedroom floor, actually, and I have this big standing mirror. And I lay all my makeup out on the floor on, like, a towel so I don't get the floor crazy messy. And I, as of late, what I've been using, actually, as my timer uh, is the um, the Greatest Hits album from Donna Summer. Okay. From start to finish is an hour and 11 minutes. So I hit play on that the second I'm about to start gluing my brows. And I keep myself in pace with the album. Nice. So that's kind of become my ritual like lately. That, that yeah. sounds like fun. Do you have any favorite makeup products that you use? Um, yeah, I would Let's say... Let's get you some product placement. Let's get you some products for free. For sure. Sponsor me! Um, <laughs> I, I love Kat Von D's Saint and Sinner palette, the okay. eyeshadow palette. Obsessed. I'm, like, hitting pan on the black in there, and it's my favorite black eyeshadow I've ever discovered, so I'm, like, so sad every time I dip my brush into it. Um, I love Ben Nye's Clown White Cream. That's a lord and savior for me. My face would look drastically different without it. Um, that's probably about it. And, I mean, as, as much as people like to, you know, throw cancer culture down on him, I love Jeffree Star's lipsticks. They're great. (laughs) They're so good. They don't even dry my lips out that much, so it's like a win-win. Those are probably my top top three. Who would you say some of your inspirations in drag are? Uh, Like drag queens that inspire me, or just people that inspire me? Okay. Um, I mean, I try not to get inspired by a lot of drag queens, but I would say if I had to pick like two or three, it would be uh, Ragamuffin, who's a local queen in Brooklyn. I adore her drag, uh, everything about it, from performance to makeup. Um, I really, really like, uh, Muffy as well, who's also a local. Um, but then if I had to pick, like, a famous one or relatively famous one, I don't know, probably Eva Destruction. Yeah, she's, she's Love that bitch. She's so good. Uh, but aside from drag queens, I mean, definitely inspirations for me are, uh, Marilyn Monroe, Donna Summer, um, David Bowie, you know, um... Icons. Yeah, icons. Kate Bush. You know, a lot of people that kind of envelop what I like to like think of like as like my queer entity, <laughs> you know? So you had mentioned your first gig a little bit, but what was your first gig and what was the first song you performed? My first real gig, other than just me performing in my bedroom, was <laughs> uh, my first time competing in my college's annual drag competition, which was called Fall Ball. Okay. Uh and I actually did a mix. I made a mix. What were the three songs? And it was super simple. I think it started with Freakum Dress. It had... 
it had a, a Rihanna song in it. I can't remember which one. And then uh, it ended with Circus by Britney Spears. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now, anyone from Purchase, b- beside Miss Jade and Vivi Dubois, that have come to New York since? Anyone we would may know? Quite a few, actually. Um, a lot of McGriddles is another big name in Brooklyn. She yep. is, uh, whatever. Miss Jade's drag mother is Thorgy Thor. Thorgy mm-hmm. is a Purchase uh, native. Apparently, um... Fuck, now I forget which queen. Uh... Raja O'Hara apparently went to purchase. I learned that. Oh. Yeah. Before my time. But other ones that are around my age, I mean, there's the the Drag King, who was uh, recently crowned Drag King of the Year in 2018, uh, Max Pleasure. Um, we have Gender Role, who's also mostly a Brooklyn girl. Um, that's all I can name it's right from now. From purchase to, to Brooklyn. It's a, it sounds like a trend. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, purchase drag is very Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. So it's the easiest transition, you know. Who are some of the first people to help you out on your drag journey? Uh, other than Miss Jade, of course, it was definitely, I would say, um, the people that ended up becoming my drag family and then eventually my drag daughters, actually, and we can get more into that another time or later, but uh, I had a good friend, Danny, uh, in college who became Dahlia Black, uh, and then I had two daughters as well that uh, helped kind of keep me motivated and sculpt like new ideas in me and we would always brainstorm like different ways that we wanted to perform. And that was basically my main my main tribe when it came to like drag. And then I met, you know, gender role. Uh, there's another queen that I'm no longer friends with that, you know, we were kind of like the two head bitches for most of our purchase career. So that was, you know, it. A small but powerful tribe. So how do you find opportunities at school to put on shows? Where, where are the spaces for that? For sure. Uh, I mean, the school, we had, we were fortunate enough to have not just one, but multiple queer clubs on campus. And they would kind of uh, reserve space in buildings such as this one building called The Stewed. Uh, any purchase alumni knows The Stewed, but uh, basically what it was is, if I could describe it, it was like this big warehouse space that they gutted and filled with like arcade games there was a huge stage there was a couple of side rooms that like live music would happen in um and that was the space often reserved for drag shows when they would happen um i had a big issue when i was there because there was really only aside from like halloween and just like going out to like regular parties for like the sense of like performance and event there were only three events a year for drag queens to perform until I came along, and then I, I turned out a couple of monthly parties in college that I would throw really DIY, like, in my apartment, or, like, outside, or, like, in other public spaces. It was very much, uh, like, party monster kind of ideas. Nice. Yeah. So a lot of people know you as a Brooklyn queen, but you made the journey to Queens. Yes. And you also joined the inaugural season of Iconic. I did. What was that experience like for you? You know, it was really, uh, it was really cool. That would be like the one word because I went into it, I think with a certain mindset that was borderline cocky, you know, if I have to be completely honest. And, um, I ended up transforming a lot through it via just the the edge that you have to apply to yourself as a competitor, which I hadn't done really to that scale ever. You know, any other drag competitions I had done would only be two weeks long or just like a one night only thing like fall ball or like um, a couple things I had done in Brooklyn before that. 
so it was the first time I really entered like a competition like circuit, so to speak. And uh, it was very transformative and I'm, I owe a lot to it. Yeah. I think the drag, if you looked at like pictures of me in drag before it and pictures of me in drag, you know, just after it, it's, it's almost very different, you know? What do you think your biggest takeaway was from Iconic? Definitely the community I forged, because uh, at the time I was still really new to Queens and I was kind of on the up and up of like what was being considered like the up and coming legendary generation in Brooklyn. And then just as I was like kind of reaching that like borderline peak prime point there, that was when I moved. So yeah. I was like, well, fuck me. Now I got to like start from square one, you know? And then I remember us very distinctly having that conversation in you know, before you even had a name for the competition, you were like, you should do this competition I'm making. And I was like, that'll be a great way to get my name out here. And it did. And I made so many friends now that I consider family, which is, I'm so thankful for. Is there a week that you wish you could do over? Uh, yeah, probably. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I was really happy with how I did most of the weeks. Honestly, the week that I wish I could redo over was the finale week. Because the whole competition, I, I, whether the judges liked it or not, my numbers all went according to my plan. Whether they ended up succeeding or failing, they went exactly how I wanted them to go. And I made some big mistakes during uh, my finale numbers, whether they be wardrobe malfunctions or things like that. And obviously that definitely probably deducted points off. And I felt going into the finale night, I had such a good chance in being in the top two. And I kept beating myself up that it was those little you know, big mistakes that kind of thwarted it, which probably weren't it at all. But you know, how you get in your of head. Course, of yeah. course, But I would definitely redo those because those were the only week that didn't go the way I planned. How would you say your drag has grown since you first started? Started drag or since or post-iconic? Since you started drag. Uh, I mean, I mean, I actually just saw a memory on Facebook from probably like four or five years ago of me performing at college and like it, I watched it and then I, I watched a most recent video and I think my taste in music has definitely changed and the, the, my taste in, or not taste, but rather, but my scope in terms of what constitutes performance and what can be done in drag performance has grown drastically. So my, my, confidence in just doing whatever the fuck I want as opposed yeah. well, I mean I always did whatever the fuck I want but I think it's become less predictable I guess if sure. that makes sense absolutely hard to explain I used to be much more dancey though yeah I used to be quite a dancey queen uh and now I I still do it once in a while just to remind people I can but I definitely rely less on that more on like comedy and like darkness and like drama and things like that what New York City queen that you've yet to work with is on your dream list <sighs> Because you've worked with a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's been fun. I think it would be quite funny, not even just because she's on Drag Race, just because of the amount of beef I used to have against her because I'd get compared to her all the time. I think I would love to work with Miss Cracker. I uh -huh. think that'd be fucking hilarious. Uh, but uh, not including famous ones. I would love to work with... I don't know. I guess Shaquita, just because she holds such a stature. You know what I mean? Um, She's a legend. She she is indeed a legend. Yeah. Uh, that's probably it. I can think of off the top of my head. I can sit here and uh and mm for 20 minutes and come up with more. But Yeah. Yeah. 
usually this is the time where I'd ask, like, what show you would create at what venue. You've created a lot of shows at a lot of venues, and we're going to talk about some of your gigs. Cool. Um, first off, you host a lot of shows at Icon and Albatross now. Yes. What can we expect when we see a Sherry Poppins show in Queens? Uh, definitely, I try to break the status quo a little bit, and I, I, I like to... I always get a lot of pleasure, I should say, out of doing numbers that... Uh, a typical audience member might not see at every drag show. You know what I mean? I like doing things that are really silly or weird, and I'm definitely not the only person to be doing that in Queens or definitely in New York, but I definitely like to try to make sure that I always have my own flair, and I what I call it now on the microphone is I'm taking you down my rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, not not wabbit, Gilda. I'm not stealing, <laughs> stealing uh, <laughs> your thing. But, yeah, I'm definitely taking you down, like, my little, like, twisted brain as the show goes along and it's it's always a good time nice how would you describe the astoria drag scene uh young um and not not because of the age of the people doing it i just mean history wise i mean i think that you think of new york especially if you're someone that follows local drag but is not a new york local and you think of the two pillars or like the two factions right you think of manhattan and you think of brooklyn you know manhattan being polished pageantry competitive you know, put together, quote-unquote, sequins, big wigs, all that. You think of Brooklyn as, like, Andy's toys. Not Andy's toys, uh, Sid's Sid's toys toys. in Toy Story, you know what I mean? Super creative, you know, grungy, punk, you know, uh, all that jazz. And and I think Queens is still trying to find its, its pillar, right? It's still trying to find what that brand is. And that's what I think attracts me so much to it. Yeah. Is that the queens that are in Queens now have that ability, unlike in Manhattan and in Brooklyn, to really shape and mold what Queens drag is. What do you want to see Queens drag to be? I would love it to be a merger, to be honest, of Manhattan and Brooklyn. Yeah. Because I feel like, especially when I was only in Brooklyn, it was like Civil War. If yeah. a girl from Manhattan came down and did shows, you were like, ugh, she's a Manhattan girl, you know what I mean? She's and gonna if, do show tunes? Ew. And if we went up to any bar other than, like, I don't know, fucking, like, club clubbing or rock bar as Brooklyn girls, There's Manhattan body bitches... There's what? Yeah, Manhattan bitches are like, look at these men, like, they're gross, they don't even shave their legs, like, you know, like, stupid shit like that, and I think, I think, in, uh, Queen's Drag, I would love, I would love it to be, like... I would. Lo- I think it all comes down to the audience, right? We have to shape the minds Absolutely. of the audience to for them to accept a wider gamut of drag. But I would love it to just be a merging pot of just whatever people want to bring is accepted and loved and you know valid. So amazing. To speak. Yeah. Well, a lot of your career started in Brooklyn, and one of your babies is a show called Straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the show. Straight to DVD is the love child um, between me, my best friend in the whole world who totally forgot to mention earlier as part of my drag family in college, Christ for the Q. Um, we go back. And then our DJ, uh, the beautiful um, DJ Ten Yards, who also designs a lot of our clothes for us. We started the show about two and a half years ago. Our first one was September of 2017 or 2016. 2016, September 2016. And, um, uh, we're, we were at, we're friends with the owners of the bar. Um, they also, or one of them at least is also a purchase alumni, uh, Derek Gaskill. And he said, Hey, you know, I know you guys want to continue doing shows. You know, we have a space, let's talk. And the very first one, we literally just booked all of our purchase friends. You know, it was like 12 people booked. 
It was all purchased people that came. Such a takeover. And that was kind of the inaugural show. Such a success. And then we kind of had some, uh, you know, rocky months in the beginning. The show is a different title. It was called 1900 Hot Glue at the beginning. But it's our it's our love baby. We do it once a month, and uh, it's a staple for us, you know? Is there anyone that, you, that hasn't done the show yet that you're looking to book? Well, actually, we had a couple people on our list for a while that we did finally just book for either May or June, which is exciting. But aside from them, uh, I would love to have... I would love to have more of my queen sisters, um, and I would love to have even some friends that I've made in Manhattan. I think it'd be really cool to have, well, I think she lives in California now, but it would have been really cool to have Poppy. Yep. I think Poppy, based on the kind of drag that she does, would have done really well at our I'm show. I'm sure she'll be back sometime. I'm sure, yeah. Just knowing that our, our the niche that our crowd likes for that show, she would have succeeded really well. I would love to have Lemon. Um, I think Vix would do really well in terms of like all the, honestly, all of like those, uh, the Real Housewives of Manhattan, that whole little cluster that's formed, I think they would all do really well. Pussy Willow would be fun. Yeah. And you have all these iconic girls too. Yeah, exactly. Season one and two. Well, we're about to have Audrey Phoenix, Ooh, the winner of season two this, this month, which is exciting. Amazing. Yeah. Well, we're going to start with our first game called This or That. Ooh. I'm going to give you two options and you'll tell me which one you like. I like that. Cats or dogs? Cats. Black or white? Black. Lake or ocean? Ocean. Movies or television? Movies. Netflix or chill? <laughs> uh, Netflix. <laughs> Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Sean Mendes or Troye Sivan? Ugh, guilty pleasure, Troye Sivan. Early bird or night owl? Night owl, 100%. Iced coffee or iced tea? Iced coffee. Honey or lemon? Lemon. Booze or weed? Booze. Give or take? Give. Leather or lace? Leather. Naughty or nice? Naughty. Modern or vintage? Vintage. And I think I know the answer for this one because it's on your hat, but Brooklyn or Queens? (laughs) Uh, Both, but Brooklyn. What is your signature number? And let's go behind the music. How did this number become your signature number? Uh, I don't know if I have... I've never fully, I guess, determined like what one signature number of mine would be, but I would have to say it's probably my Devin Green number. Um, and I, I have probably four that I could say, but probably the Devin Green number, which has no music, uh, ironically. But I think it became my signature number just because it's four and a half minutes of just lip syncing to talking. Yeah. Which I think, I know quite a few drag queens that excel really well at perfect lip syncing to talking yes but it's usually hard. it's usually snippets in a mix of right. songs and it's seldom i see full songs from start to finish that are no songs it's just that and i think just the uniqueness of that mixed with like how much i've done it so it literally looks like it's like coming out of my fucking mouth i can curse on this right yeah, of course. okay great <laughs> i was gonna say i'm a sailor um i think that is definitely probably what made it a popular number of mine. You know, you go to a show and if I do it, you've if you've been to my shows before, you've definitely have seen it before, you know? Where do you find your inspiration when you create mixes? <sighs> definitely going down YouTube spirals um, of just, like, YouTube poop and, like, you know, um, pop culture media references and, like, meme culture. I like a lot of that. Sometimes, honestly, I find inspiration on, like, bullshit, like, Family Guy. Yeah. You know, I have one of my 30-second mixes is literally just a commercial 
from an episode of Family Guy that they were watching in their living room. And it, like, peers into their TV. And it's this commercial about, uh, it's called Fingernails for Cash. And I was like, I'm going to make that a number. You know, and I love stuff like that. But uh, I'm definitely an old uh, an old person when it comes to, like, my music flavors. I mean, I, I love anything from, like, the 50s to the 80s. You know, that whole realm is kind of where I pull a lot of my music inspiration from for drag. What's the longest show you've ever performed? And is that your, like, limit of how long you could be in drag and perform and for a crowd girl i in terms of like me all me doing the whole show start to finish uh i had one whimsical wednesday at albatross that went from 10 o'clock to about 345 damn like 330 like it was a five hour maybe plus show with like i took i took like three intermissions um but holy shit, girl. I mean, and I would have stopped sooner, but they kept coming. The people were still tipping. They were still riding my wave, you know, interacting with me. Money's money. And I, girl, T, I, money was money. I had no day job the next day. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just keep going. I'm having a blast. I was so drunk, you know, which made it great. <laughs> Deadass, like, I'm saying goodbye to people as, I forget who the bartender was that night. I think it was Skip, but as Skip is just putting the fucking chairs on the stool, you know what I mean? Like, I'm still saying goodbye to people, collecting my coin, like, it was wild. And he was like, I want to go home, go away. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> what most requested number of yours do you wish people would stop requesting? <laughs> um, lately, I've... Lately, there hasn't been one because I've just stopped doing them. I'm taking a break from them. It used to be my Tiny Dancer number. Uh-huh. People would always request Tiny Dancer. So um, did you have to bring the flyer with you all the time? Yeah, I, I would literally bring it to every gig just in case. You know, now I don't even bring it anymore. <laughs> so if people request it, which they haven't because I've put it on hiatus, you know, I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, it's either been that or lately it's been La Totura by Shakira. I, like, did it once randomly at my viewing party, and then it kind of snowballed, and now people are like, do that! You know? <laughs> Oops. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't mind. It's a fun one. So we are going to play the Cameo <clears throat> Game Show. Cool. Um, if you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Oh, yes. You this excited? sounds fun. Yeah. Have you been on Cameo before? Have you uh, seen it? I've. Uh, my drag daughter just got one for her birthday from uh, from Soju. Uh-huh. So okay, I, I saw okay. that, yeah. Well, <clears throat> let's start off with some celebrities. Who is more expensive, Andy Dick or Gilbert Gottfried? Andy Dick. Andy Dick costs you $99, Gilbert Gottfried, $150. Holy shit. All right. Flava Flav or Ice Tea? <laughs> I want to say probably Ice Tea. You're right. Three okay, fifty dollars for Ice Tea or two fifty dollars for Flava Flav. Oh my god. Next we have Trisha Paytas or Tara Reid. Trisha Paytas. Yeah, one fifty for her. Uh, Tara Reid only eighty five dollars. Oh, sensible yeah. eighty five. Uh, how about some drag legends? We got Coco Peru or Jackie Beat. Ooh, I want to say because of her scope, Coco Peru. That's right, fifty five dollars for Coco Peru, only twenty five dollars for Jackie Beat. Look at that, That's a, a legend for twenty five dollars. Well, you said her before. <clears throat> it's either Soju or Gia Gun. Gia Gun. Yeah, $55 for Gia Gun Soju's $30. Okay. Yeah. Um, how about Abora or Onyx Black? Ooh. Probably 
Abora? Abora is $15. Onyx Black, only 10 Wow. Yeah, right? Okay. I'm good. How about Bible Girl or Todrick Hall? Oh my god, Bible Girl? Uh, probably Todrick Hall. Todrick Hall, $35. Bible Girl, $10. Okay, she's keeping it cheap. And now we're going to um, play this round is how much can you get a cameo from Ruby Roo for? Ooh, uh, $15. You got it! Yes! All right, everyone, go go request a cameo from Ruby Roo, please. <laughs> oh my God, $15. just spam her. Could you imagine? Girl, I bet you she'll bang them all out in one shot, but by, yeah. the, by the eighth one, if not sooner, she will give no fucks anymore. She'll be like, whatever, I already got my coin. Right. Here, happy birthday, go away. Like She'll like, that, be such a bitch about when it. I, when I was researching this, I was like, how is Ruby Rue on this? I love it. Ruby Rue is so funny. She's such a bitch. Yeah. In the best true. way. In the best way. Well, are you ready to play some tea time? Yeah, I don't right. know this game. Oh, tea time is when you spill the tea about your favorite sisters, friends, <gasps> colleagues, people you share the stage with. Oh, I do know this game. Uh-huh. I just didn't know it had a name oh, yeah. then. <laughs> tea time, because you're going to spill some tea. Cute, I love We're it. We're going to start off with Gilda Wabbit. <clears throat> Gilda Wabbit. Oh my god, tea on Gilda Wabbit. Um, I mean, she, she says it sometimes on the mic, but the way that we first came into contact was she had actually hit me up on Grindr. Naturally. Naturally, as Gilda Wabbit does. And... In a very quick turnaround, I recognized her relatively quick, even though we had never met before. And I was like, oh my god, you're Gilda Wabbit. I literally was just going to message you on Instagram. I want to come to your open stage on Wednesday. (laughs) And she's like, well, I have an open hole. (laughs) She literally was like, oh, fuck, another drag queen. (laughs) She's like, guess I'm not getting laid by this one. (laughs) And we always, like, would joke about, like, sexual tension and stuff. Um... Uh, she did get naked in front of me once, though, which was fun. She was getting changed in my bedroom... And uh, very with all within a matter of seconds, she's like, "You don't mind if I just like write?" And I was like, "No, not at all." And then I was like, "Boop!" And I was like, "Hello." <laughs> Next up is Heidi Ho. Heidi Ho. Uh, you know, she stays relatively private, actually, to me at least. Though I'm sure that's seldom the case in the, general. Though you were her thirst trap of season one. I was. I. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Uh, I have nothing bad to say about Heidi. She is absolutely excellent. I, I feel like though I could tell that there's such a trashy underlayer to her like an underbelly that i would love to get to know more like i want to do illegal things with her you know what i mean because <laughs> i feel like she'd be a fun person to do it with yeah you know she'll never admit that she does them but behind closed quarters i want to have a freaking bender with her that'd be fun it'd be a wild time and i want it all documented next up we have season one winner nicole Noscopy. oh my gosh nicole um well i love nicole now which is awesome but i feel like and this is maybe just me in my own head during a, much of the season i feel like we had like an unspoken rivalry where like she was probably talking bad about me and like i was feeding into like the drama that was happening with her and it was kind of just like this thing but whenever we would see each other it was like that very and now i know it's not superficial now it's genuine and i love her to death but i could tell that it was somewhat more superficial during it and you're nodding in agreement like no, you know no, things. I, no, all, all I know is that she was considering for Horror Week to do an it number. Oh, and yeah. she couldn't do it anymore. I feel like that was part of her bitterness towards me. <laughs> um, but we would give that very, like, superficial, like, mwah, mwah, good to see you kind of thing during the competition. But now we're friends, and now I have no ill will. She, We were another... She was another queen, though, that uh, in the beginning of us speaking before Iconic started, there was, like some sexual conversation happening that never 
fruition. And now I'm so thankful because I don't feel like going to the doctor weekly. <laughs> Next up is Ducky Shia Boy. Oh my god, Ducky. She is... <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh, what's the reference I'm trying to make? I'm drawing a blank. There's like this old... I'll, I'll take it out of context. There's this old show where it's like a skit show. I can't remember it for the life of me. But I think it's probably from Adult Swim somewhere. Where they go inside the brain of some human who is like really dumb... And it's just, like, this bald, meth-head-looking man that represents the person's brain with, like, three teeth, like, no head and, like, buggy eyes. And they're just, like, this imp creature that lives as this person's brain. And that's what I always imagined Ducky to be. <laughs> but in the best way. I Only because she is, like, what I'd imagine I would be if I, like, tweaked out and, like, started plummeting into, like... Dr- drug abuse <laughs> and, like within the next two years like if I continue doing drag after I bounced back from that it would very much be me eating butter on stage so yeah I, she did that the other night too I know I she heard did, she did well from Ducky to Patsy and decline oh my gosh Patsy I love the both of them as a unit I think they're one of like the biggest and most underappreciated drag power couples in Manhattan and New York City and the boroughs and all that but um, Patsy's a sweetheart. I think she, her and I, and we've never actually sat and fully had this discussion, but I just know there's like this weird psychic connection that we have when it comes to like our references, I feel like are very similar and like the things that we enjoy, I'd imagine are very similar. Even though we have quite different performance styles, I feel like there are a lot of similarities in the way that we perform and the way that we enjoy drag. And I always really appreciate that in her. Yeah, she's great. That's not really tea. No, I guess. Okay. But you it, it, it's don't my have opinion. To give all the tea. <laughs> I mean, let's see if you have any tea on Miss Is. Miss Is, she was everyone's trade trade uh, fantasy for season one. I guess even even mine for like a couple weeks. I would like looked at her at one. Po- I don't remember when it was, but I distinctly remember looking at her at one point at Icon, and there was just like a flash of attraction for like a moment, and I was like, oh, I see what everyone's saying now. Yeah, you know. And then it went away, but <laughs> like a cloud. But uh, she's such an angel. She's one of those people that I think is just so wholeheartedly genuine and just loves such a the craft of drag and never, you know, during all the drama of our season, never fell into any of it. You know, I mean, she was Miss Congeniality for a reason, you know. It's true. She's such an angel baby. And I think she's another person that like, whose drag really grew a lot from Absolutely. the show, you know, I think as it, someone that's still it. so new to drag, yeah. it, cha- it helped her so much, I think. And I love her for that. Yeah. Well, how about season two winner, Audrey Phoenix? <laughs> Audrey Phoenix is funny. I enjoy her a lot. I think she is another queen who definitely flourishes when thinking outside the box. Um, I think she deserves more attention than she's probably getting right now because I think she's really interesting uh, and has a really interesting mind and like a perspective on drag. I'm excited for her to continue having her own show and producing her own show because I think if I could see her evolve more and be more well-rounded, she would have a lot more, she would be getting a lot more like mic work experience and things like that. That would fully make her a powerhouse. Once she's at that point, oh my gosh, like everyone better watch out. She's wild. Yeah. Also probably one of like the low-key horniest drag queens I know. 
That is a fact. If we want to actually spill tea for a minute and not just sit here listening to me praise my sisters, such a horny bitch. She will be the first to admit it too. It's, yeah, mm. facts are facts. Totes. Well, how about your Tuesday night sis, Misty Mountains? Oh my gosh, Misty Mountains. So great. Um, another one who we get a lot of the same references, though... <laughs> Whenever we talk about, you know, getting ready for our show together, SNM Live, we always are like, all right, so what duets can we do this week? Even though we have so much of the same references to certain things, we know none of the same duets. And it's always <laughs> this constant, constant struggle of like, shit, well, you just told me seven songs that you know, and I know none of those. Here's five that I know. Oh, you don't know any of those? Crap. Like, and we always, so I think even though our show has been... Uh, really fun and successful, I think, so far. There's still definitely kinks that we have to work out and to find that, like, full synchronicity, I think, you know? Yeah. But I, I'm so grateful to be able to work with her regularly because she's a gem. How about Christ with a Q? My sister. My sister with a C. Um, I mean, we go back to since, like, 2013 or 14 in drag. Um, actually, I'll tell you a funny story about my drag with her. So... Uh, her senior thesis show, she was a, um, uh, a, like a graphic designer and like a sculptor in college and, um, not sculptor, more like performance artist, but her senior thesis show w- was multifaceted, but part of her senior thesis was a drag show that she threw in our visual arts building. Uh, and it was kind of this cool, like punky, like fuck the man kind of act- attitude to it. And, uh, I performed at it and during my number... I chugged, during the musical interlude of my number, I chugged about a little over half a bottle of wine in the matter of 25 seconds. And I had done a couple shots before that, and I was drinking the wine throughout the night, and then the show ended, and I I stand up on a box, and I'm like, everyone, after party at my apartment! And I, like, I marched, I led this parade of queerdos back to my apartment across campus, and on this march, I started getting a little sick, And literally, I blacked out, and what I was told the next morning was that from my front door of my apartment, leading through my living room, the hallway, and to the bathroom, was a trail of my drag. Like, I started just undressing, taking everything off as I was walking to the bathroom. The party happened. The the after party happened, but I was in the bathroom, vomiting my brains out the whole night. Uh, And I have Chris to thank for that. And that really was what sealed the deal in our friendship. (laughs) Next, we have Max Pleasure. Mm. Max Pleasure, uh, my drag brother, uh, absolute delight. Another one of those drag humans that hardly will ever have anything negative to say about anyone and loves all facets of drag. You know, um, even queens that go up, you know, and it's their very first time doing it and they're sloppy. Max finds something to appreciate about and just loves that, like, drive that, you know, he finds in them. He... Had a lot of unfortunate uh, things happen to him in his drag career, you know, in the last couple of years. But it's been so incredible as one of his close friends to see him topple over it and rise above it. And now is getting, you know, I think 
bigger and better than ever. And that is absolutely stunning. Uh, I'll never forget in college did this incredible number where he comes out as this like suave man. And then there's like these like dancers that cover him up for a second. And all of a sudden he's got these huge devil horns and he's doing this like panic at the disco number. And I, my basement flooded. I was so turned on and I was like, and right after that number, he comes off the stage and I asked him to be my drag brother. I was so inspired. He's so good. Next up, Emmy Great. That, another one of those horny, horny bitches. <laughs> so many horny drag queens. Uh, she's a psychopath. I feel like there have been times in our friendship where I'm like the, uh, sorry for the Game of Thrones reference for those of you who don't watch, but I was kind of like the Tyrion to her Daenerys. Okay. Where I've had okay. to like talk her off the edge of doing something absolutely crazy. Uh, most recently at the Slammy Awards, which is uh, a Brooklyn parody of the Glam Awards that Bob the Drag Queen started and now passed down the torch to the nobodies. Um, she, as, you know, the former reigning Miss BK, did a number. And for the week leading up to it, I'm in a group chat with her on Facebook, and the week leading up to it, she was saying very seriously, not facetiously at all, that she just wanted to do a number where she came out onto the floor and just took a shit on the stage and then walked off. And me and Miss Is, I think, and a couple other people were really talking her off that ledge. And come come the Slammy Awards, I get there and she's wearing this beautiful little, like, caftan kind of moment. No underwear. Totally naked underneath. Of course. And so we're like, fuck, she's going to poop on stage. And literally minutes leading up to her number, she's like, I might do it, I might not. Because <laughs> she's such a bitch like that. And she ended up not, thank God, because the room was quite small right. and it would have been a disaster. <laughs> uh, but there's that, there's that thing about Emmy where like, you never know if she's actually going to go off the deep end. You know what I mean? And that's what makes her drag so exciting yeah. to me. <laughs> Someone you recently danced for, Gloria Swansong. Uh, an angel. I think she is an incredibly talented queen. And you know what? And, I, and what I like about her is that she knows... She knows very much self-control, and she's very precise in her movements and in how she uh, expresses her physical embodiment of her numbers. I, I don't think she's one of those queens that needs to go super over the top. You know, she's very much like my sister Christ, where she could stand in space, stand in the same spot, and just give a number without any mo motion, just yeah. lip-syncing it, and people would be standing ovation for it. You know what I mean? She, she she knows how to push out her energy to control the energy of a room. And that's something... Though there are hundreds of drag queens in New York, that's something that only few queens that I've ever met can do well and successfully. You know? Um, she She's definitely another queen, though, that as much as she is a sweetheart, I could definitely see a cunty side to her. Yeah. You know? She could definitely snap on the wrong person if they try her. And that is something I really like about her. <laughs> well, speaking of people who snap, the person that I uh, make you have a rivalry with, Cherry Poppins. Oh, really? Does she snap? Does she get bitchy? I can see her having have patty moments. Have you seen her on mic ever? Uh, actually, seldom. I've seldom gotten to go to her shows, which is really unfortunate. I think... Part of it is just, you know, she'll do shows the same time I have a show, or they're just at a bar in Manhattan and I, like, close at my day job. It just never works out, but uh, she actually, now that I think, when I had her for Straight's DVD, 
had a, a couple catty moments on and off mic, and I was like, oh my god, you are a big bitch. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's always so funny. I mean, I, I talk about all the time, actually, with people that you, in this funny way, created this pitting against one another action. Yeah. And this great, like, WWE, like live action extravaganza moment, you know what I mean? Which I'm still waiting for. Yeah, it's going to happen. We'll find, We'll figure it out. But I was at a show yesterday in Brooklyn, of all places, last night, and uh, I performed, and this person who was there was Max Pleasure. Max Pleasure was there and was, like, introducing me to this other queen. And he was like, oh, my God, like, I know Michael. And I was like, Michael who? He's like, Michael Buck. And he was like, you still live with him, right? And I'm like, fuck me. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I swear to God, this happened last night, Michael. Like, when I tell you this happens regularly... It? Um, Nancy No Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah we had yeah. just met, and she's literally like, "You still live with Michael, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Nope, that's Cherry Poppins. I'm Sherry Poppins." And he was like, oh, "I'm so sorry." And then I went into the hole. It's okay. It happens that's to us so all the funny. time. La la la. Oh, Nancy. Oh, Nancy. <laughs> well, someone that I wanted to join the Poppins family, but um, she slapped that down. Next up is Pussy Willow. <laughs> come on pussy poppins that would be great i know that'd be lit i mean i never take my children take my last name you know all, all my children all have their own names uh even though two one of them's out of commission the other one isn't she she's uh redacted from my family but uh pussy willow i think is so funny i've been to her her show at albatross now a couple of times and there's this there's this certain trajectory that the show takes which i think in its own messy way, makes it so iconic and very Brooklyn. Uh, is that the show will start off very well organized, clean cut, you know, running, you know, as they say, according to plan. And then as everyone gets drunker, herself included, it just downward slopes into this like slosh pit of like really long conversations on the mic. All the all the guests get really drunk and they'll just go up there and have their two cents. Like, they take the mic from her and it just becomes this thing that's, like, uh, somewhat uncontrolled. But as someone who, like, loves shit like this, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Like, the last time I was there, like, about halfway through, I fucking ordered Seamless. Yeah, I was sitting did. there with a burger and fries watching this mess unfold and it was hilarious. I think it, it almost... If she if she had come out months later and been like pulled like an Alexa Stone and was like ta da that whole circus smorgasbord that I do at the end is intentional I would be like standing ovation you know what I mean yeah because I think it's so it's so there's such like a performance art aspect to it even though it's so unintentional yeah let's get some tea on Miss Jade yeah so Miss Jade she uh, is definitely the the name Miss Jade Queen of Shade definitely it was well deserved and well named. Uh, she'll be absolutely shady to me. It's funny because she, she talks a lot about how she is a bad drag mother. Cause I don't think she ever intended on being my drag mother. You know, I think I wouldn't be doing drag without her. And then, so because of that, I started calling her my drag mom. Well, I suppose I, I started calling her my fairy drag mom because only about a semester and a half into me doing drag, she graduated. And then I didn't see her. I saw her once a year, right. you know, if anything. And, uh, then when I started finally doing shows in Brooklyn, she had booked me a couple times and she'd always introduce me on the mic as like, this one calls me her mother, but like the, like the kind of mother I actually would be, I up and ran and left her for nothing. You know what I mean? And so we always joke about that, but, uh, she's such a cunt. Even I, I recently introduced her a few months ago to my, my boyfriend and she looked at him up and down and she goes, oh, 
boyfriend and you know and then she's like how long have you been dating and then i told her and then she's like okay and how long have you been fucking like she she just has like such a way of like very uh precise like the, the real the real origin of shade right like from like the ballroom scene and things like that where it's like i'm gonna read you without you knowing i'm reading you yeah. kind of vibe she's so good she's so intelligent um She's a great dancer, though. Great performer. She's so underappreciated, in my opinion. I mean, she has run... She's been nominated for Drag Queen of the Year in Brooklyn multiple times. And always gets beat out by some, like, new fashion-y... I won't say names, but, like, Because <laughs> then I'm gonna be shady. But she always gets beat out by someone who's much younger in the scene than her. Which, you know... She'll 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 rat on them, you know, on her own, <laughs> on her Instagram stories and shit. But she's in, she's incredible. How about everyone's favorite bike rider, Sissy Walken? <laughs> she's a fucking mess, girl. She's no, I love her to death. Her her mixes are incredible. I love her performances, but girl, she is. She's one of those people that is stoned so much that you when you meet her and you see her multiple times, you'd think that that's her sober. But that's actually just her stoned every minute of every day. And then if you ever do get a chance, a rare opportunity to meet her sober, you're like, honey, are you like fucked up? Like, are you good? Like, are you okay? <laughs> She's like that reverse stoner. You know what yeah. I mean? Where like they're stoned so much they're sober. And then when they're not stoned, they're in bed. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, I know those people, definitely. Like, I feel like she could absolutely pass a breath. Like, she could probably fool a cop. You know, just because that's just her regular mode is yeah. stoned, you know. But I think she's great. Her and I talk about cooking a lot. I've, I'm dying to go to her pasta class. Yeah. I, I know Pussy and uh, Aria went last night and it looked so fun. Yeah, it looks very yummy. Yeah. Have you gone? I have not. We I, gotta go yeah, together. She, yeah, she messaged me. Let's do it together, girl. Let's coordinate. Yeah, let's, next time you have it, sissy, let us know. Yeah, but she's a sloppy mess. I love her. <laughs> well, next up is Andy Starling. Not a sloppy mess. Nope. I would say of the four of us... Uh, four of us being the House of Vintage Millennials, me, her, uh, Arya, and Sissy. She's definitely the... And by saying this, it'll prove my point because she'll get offended by it, but she's definitely the the drama queen of the four of us. I feel like a lot of us, the three of us, are very, very laid back and very like, ah, flase da, beep boop bop, ya, ya, ya. Weed, weed, weed. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, booze, booze, booze. One of the two, or both. Uh, and then she's much more of the one that's more, uh, not anal, but she, she's very, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like she's she get, cerebral. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very cerebral. Well, she's very cerebral in her drag and like what she does with her drag. Uh, she's probably got one of the most iconic numbers of the four of us with her May, May Brown. Yep. I always get the lady's name. Brown. Yep. There you go. But, uh, she, like, I've definitely seen her get uppity about things that I would never get uppity about. And it makes me, it makes me, like, I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, life is too short, girl. You know? Right after Gloria won Miss Hell's Kitchen. I mean, it was shitty, but something happened to her from the staff and it was, like, bullshit. And it kind of, like, sucked. But, like, me being, like, the way I am, I'm, like, so not a fan of confrontation where she's... You would think that she wouldn't be the one that's a fan of it, but she's actually not that bothered by confrontation. If yeah. she feels like she's been wronged, she will go up and out to like kind of like blow up about it. And I don't mean that in a bad way, Andy. She gets what she wants from it, which is always great. But she's she's definitely the one that uh, I want. I want to get her really stoned. <laughs> yeah. Or like either that or like 
make her like you know slip like some mushrooms into her into her meal. <laughs> oh, God. Girl, okay. I would love to see what Andy is like on on like a day of mushrooms. Charlie trips. I feel like have you ever do you watch Portlandia? I've seen I've seen episodes. There's an episode when they all they do mushrooms and the way that they prepare for it and like get ready of it and like act while they're on it. I feel like would be very much watching Andy on mushrooms and it'd be <laughs> hilarious to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never experimented with those kinds of drugs. I would like to. I was told I'm too emotional to do it, and I shouldn't do it. Oh, I could tell you all about them. <laughs> I have I have a mentality. Well, now not so much anymore now, but in college I had a mentality of try everything once. <laughs> That's my feeling, too. <laughs> or, you know, eight times. Next like. up, Arya Dirty. Bitch. I never see her anymore. She, like, lives, sleeps, eats, and breathes Pussy Willow. <laughs> that is tea. Um... But when I do see her, you know, it's like a day was never missed. Um, she was probably one of my first drag friends. Actually, she basically was my first drag friend um, when I moved to Queens. I, I met her through, you know, doing Gilda's open stage on Wednesdays. Um, and we lived down the street from each other. So we get together. We used to get together every day. We had this morning. Well, I say morning, but she wakes up at like 2, 2 p.m. every day. Yes. But we had this tradition of waking up, texting each other coffee, meeting in the middle on Broadway, and then going to our favorite coffee place. She, w- But <laughs> there was a time where my roommates were kind of weirded out by her because she, I have like a little front porch in front of my, my house, my apartment, and uh, whether I was home or not, she would just come smoke a cigarette on my porch because <laughs> she couldn't stand, and to this day cannot stand her roommate, like absolutely abhors her roommate. And so when she needed to get out of the house, she would either go to Socrates Park and like sit on the water or she'd go sit on my front porch. And so I'd be at my day job, like not knowing at all. But my roommates text me, they'd be like, oh, I came home from work and Aria was sitting on her porch. And my one roommate uh, at the time, Jonathan, he would always be like, yeah, I don't know if she was like waiting for you. But once I told her you weren't home, she'd be like, "Okay," And then she'd be out there for like 45 minutes. Like... (laughs) Just That's smoking funny. weed, yeah. That's so funny. Uh, I miss her a lot, though. I, I we, we went from seeing each other, like, every day, basically, to, like, seeing each other, like, at gigs, you know. Uh, she's an angel. She's got a lot of opinions about people. I mean, as you as you witnessed on her yes. episode of this, you know. And we used to always pick each other's brains and talk shit about people. She definitely is one of those queens that brings out the, the quote-unquote worst in me when it comes to, like, Gemini stereotypes. I'll, I'll talk. We'll talk smack all day, you know. About everyone from, like, our biological mothers to our sisters, you know, in the best way. And I will say, when you need a friend, she's there for you. Exactly. She will love you even when she can't love herself. She will love and care about you and put you ahead of her. And I think that's probably the most beautiful facet of Arya Derchi. Yeah, I I know she went through her angsty phase in drag, and I'm excited to see what her love-struck phase looks like. Exactly, exactly. I mean, as someone who also... Uh, translates a lot of, like, my emotional life cycles into my drag, it's going to be really cool to see that transition from, like, angsty punk rock bitch to, like, lovey-dovey, you know, person. You know, I've never known... I've never known Arya in this way. Yeah. So it's a new Arya to all of us. Yeah. You know? Next up is Jax. (sighs) Probably my least favorite of everyone you listed on that thing. No, No, I'm kidding. No, we... You would think that we were fourth graders in love, the way we talk about each other. There's not a day that goes by where I don't 
say the absolute worst things about her, but it's okay because whenever she'll, whenever you give her the slightest bit of attention and my name comes up, she will talk me into the dirt in the nastiest way as possible. It's just what we do to each other. It's how we express love. Um, but I, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the same experience that I've had living here if it weren't for my friendship with her. I mean, what, what makes our friendship so unique is that we both went to college for photography. Right. Uh, so we both have that connection as well as drag. Um, I think in terms of what our drag is, we're very yin and yang where our styles are so different, but there's a part of our drag styles that tethers us that is exactly the same. She is the dumbest bitch I know. Yeah. When it com- well, when it comes to her actual intelligence, I'm sure. But... When it just comes to, like, the things that she's entertained by and, like, the things that she thinks about, at, the, at, our, at our primal levels, we are the same. And I think we see that in each other and love that so much about one another. Um, I will say... I could say a lot of things about her sexual preferences and her sexual history. That would that would probably be tea. Um, she's such a power bottom. She's got probably about nine dildos made out of various materials uh, in her bathroom. Going from glass to latex to, you know, like hard rubber. Uh, All varying sizes, too. Like, she is like a smorgasbord of dildos. You know, I really... I've always told her that she needs to incorporate them into numbers. Yeah. Because it would just be the fucking Mary Poppins bag of dildos, you know? Um... And she, she'll tell you about every, every trick there is to becoming a pro bottom. She knows it. She has a squatty potty. She, (laughs) uh, used to, I think she is and or used to be on pure for men. Um, various dildos. Like she, if if there's anyone that knows how to take a big dick, it's Jax. Uh, so, you know, props to that. Cause it's a harder job said than done. Yeah. Can I give you one more? Absolutely. Essence. Oh, uh, speaking of queens that know how to take penises, well, I'm kidding. Um, no, Essence is a gem. She, uh, she just started drag. I mean, uh, she was one of those that, you know, when we met a, a little over a year ago now, she already had a few pairs of heels, several wigs, like an alarming amount of wigs for someone that's never gone out on drag before, at least eight. And I was like, oh, Okay. Uh, you know, and she, she's theater trained. She's a dancer. She knows how to command a stage presence. So all the, all the, uh, all the boxes were checked for someone that could become a drag queen. Right. Yeah. And she wanted it so bad, but she never had like that push. And I think us becoming friends and then eventually now dating was kind of what helped push her to be like, I could do this, you know? And I've, I've supported her every step of the way. And she, She's still so new. It's so cute because she'll tell me all these ideas that she has about like numbers that she wants to do that aren't, you know, as dancey. They're more like Brooklyn-y, quote unquote, like silly numbers. And I'm like, babe, do it. Like you got it. You could do it. And then she keeps doing her dancey numbers because I mean, look, they make her coin. Yeah. Her very first time doing an open stage, she made like thirty bucks at Icon on a weekday. Which from one number, I mean, you've been in many Icon shows. Yes, I have. Usually is not the case. Nope. But she got a twenty and then like a bunch of singles, and I was like, okay, bitch. I was <laughs> like, I'm out here seven years of drag, you know, making like eleven bucks at an open stage. Uh, but uh, I, I'm so I was so thrilled for her, but um. She is a, a, a horny girl. Um, 
but also such a sweetheart. You know, she's from Texas, so she's got that, like, that Southern love and that Southern, like, hospitality kind of mentality, which I think attracted me a lot to her. Um, she's another person that will, for the, for the, for people that she cares about, like Aria, put them way above herself. And I, I kind of try to harden her a little bit because I'm so not that. Yeah. I am. I mean, I, I will absolutely, I'm very maternal, but when it comes to, keeping my my own emotional well-being as a priority i try to make sure that that stays above you know or at least like on par you know with other things and i try to harden her up a little bit she's such a softy you know um but i think that what that's what makes our dynamic really well because i'm such a hard ass and a hard heart with everyone except my most intimate close circle and she's the exact opposite you know even if she's feeling like absolute shit inside she'll put on a big old smile and just, like, be the face that she wants people to perceive her as. And that's something that's really admirable. Yeah. Do you think we'll see her in season three of Iconic? You know, I've been giving her, like, very realistic advice on that decision. I think she wants to. I told her that it would be best for her to do it as long as she's willing to spend money is willing to like expand and challenge the kind of drag that she does you know i think she i think by the time i'm assuming it would happen in the summer Uh, not this one probably we we, will be back in september in september okay cool i'd imagine by then she would be ready uh if she as long as she like really uses this summer to like get out there and like do more you know what i mean um i think she wants it I yeah. think I think though what intimidates her right now is the time commitment. You know, um I think she's still a little nervous, but I think it's just her being in her head. Yeah. Cuz I think she's a great performer and she's another one that knows how to like or at least with a little bit more fine tuning would be very successful at commanding a space. Absolutely. Yeah. How important is social media in the drag scene today? I don't think you can be nearly as successful as you one could without it. Does yeah. that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about, and and a, and a perfect way to like exa- get an example out of that is if you take queens of older generations that are absolute fucking legends. You know, save for a few like Coco Peru and things like that that have kind of adapted themselves to Absolutely. commanding a, a, an online presence. You know, they can probably out drag ninety percent of us under the table, or at least they could have in their prime. But we'll only have such a smaller amount of followers than someone now coming into drag, you know, who has been doing it a fraction of the time, but has thousands and thousands of followers because they know how to use the platform better, you know? Um, I mean, as someone who (laughs) has gone weeks without phones, uh, with having them stolen twice in a matter of five months, definitely promoting your shows is harder without it and getting the word out there. Um, keeping people um, updated with new looks that you're doing or new, just new things that you're doing in general is much harder, you know, because then it's really just word of mouth. Right. Which, who talks to each other anymore? No one. Um, which is so unfortunate. Uh, I definitely think it's a staple. You know, it's where it's where the business aspect happens, I yeah. think. With so many types of drag, how can we celebrate all styles of the art form in the mindset of all drag matters? I think remembering that it is an art form, you know what I mean? And if you, if you, I, I think people hold, you know, will say that, but then it, it comes with no backing, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, no, I know drag is an art form. 
But then they're not really looking at it that way because then the second someone doesn't slam their cooter into the floor off the bar to Lady Gaga, they're like, this isn't drag, you know what I mean? Right. I've met countless people like that. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to call drag an art form, you know, think. let's look at other art forms, look at painting. Look at the gamut of different types of paintings there are, you know? There have been hundreds of years of eras of styles and painters that were controversial, painters that whatever, you know, and drag to me is the same exact thing. People come from all different backgrounds and reasons that brought them to drag. Some people, you know, come to drag because they're a single a single child homosexual group in the Midwest, came here to pursue a career in Broadway, didn't have the talent or the chops to do it, and then we're like, well, now what do I do with my training? Drag queen, you know? So they're like, you know, that was me being a little shady uh, to a demographic, <laughs> which is fail not fair. But anyway, you know, people come to it for all different reasons. Some come to it for money, some to it for career, some come to it for art. But it's all, it's all a matter of expression of gender and expression of performativity. And I think people that watch drag and go to drag shows and even other drag queens need to remind themselves of that. You know, just because I may have my own style just doesn't mean that I'm going to go to a show and see someone that is a complete 180 of my own drag and I'm going to deem it any less valid, yeah. you know, because that person sees that drag as what liberates them and makes them feel artistically challenged and created. And that's beautiful. And I love looking for that. If there's, if I see a drag number that I can't relate or connect to anything that they're doing, I'm at least looking at or looking for that passion while they're doing that performance. Yeah. And that's what solidifies it for me. And I think more people need to do that. I agree. What is one personal fact about you that your fans wouldn't know about you? A personal fact about me is that I... I mean, there's, like, silly, like, silly ones. Like, I'm a second-degree black belt or, like, that I speak Chinese and, like, things like that. I think, though, at, like, a more deep level, I think I... <laughs> am often a lot more stressed out than I allow myself to seem. And I... I... I'm an insomniac mostly because at night when I go to bed, my brain doesn't shut off. Yeah. And so often a lot, I'm like, I'm running on like this, I'm running in this reality where I've thought about every scenario that could happen in the next week in the shower three days ago. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm constantly living in my own head. So even though I'm very good at filtering it into like interacting with humans, like right now we're having a conversation and in my brain I'm thinking of every single question you could be possibly at. Like it's it's an exhausting brain that I live yeah. in. Um, and I think that's probably something that people maybe don't see in me because I don't like to show them that I'm borderline neurotic. <laughs> Fair. And that's why I drink. <laughs> so you mentioned Donna Summer, but what are your current jams and what music should my listeners be listening to? Um, I mean, I'll... I'll sing her praises to the end of the earth. My favorite singer of all time, both for drag and for not drag, is Nico Case. Okay. Um, I've performed several of her numbers. She is poetically one of the most beautiful lyricists and singers I've ever had the chance of hearing, and everyone should listen to her because she's just incredible. Um, other than that, though, I mean... We Love Us, some, you know, like Annie Lennox, you know, I think... Also, we think of divas and we only think of, like, females, but, I mean, I don't know. There's so... I don't know. Ooh, you stumped me. There's just so many. But, I mean, Nico Case, if I had to just pick one. Sure. My favorite singer of all time. Changed my life. Wouldn't be the same person without being exposed to her music. If you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? <laughs> 
Uh, I would say Jax, but her legs are so short. We probably wouldn't be able to run fast. <laughs> oh. No, actually, you know what, though? I would say Jax because her legs are muscular. What she lacks in length, she makes up for in thickness. You know, thick with two C's are her legs. And uh, I feel like she's a little tiny bulldog. And so if I ever get tired, she'll fucking put me on her back and we'll keep running through yeah. the mountains of Thailand. You know what I mean? Um, plus, I think in terms of being able to tolerate someone for that long, it's such an isolated way. We will definitely want to kill each other, but I think we'd be able to recover from that wanting to kill each other the easiest. And it more would be good most. TV. It'd be really good TV because us, we don't get to be on the mic together a lot, but whenever we are, it's just bludgeoning one another. <laughs> bloody. So it'd be funny. So now we're going to move into the Pop 5 Rapid Fire. I'm going to give you five pop culture things, and you'll give me a word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about about it. Cool. So we're going to start off with Jagged Little Pill, the Alanis Morissette musical coming to Broadway this fall. Um, a tragic yet ambitious endeavor. Because yeah. I don't think, I can't imagine that it would be that great. As we'll, much as I love Jagged Little yeah, Pill. We'll see, we'll see. Next is Trump walks out until all investigations are stopped. Uh, and then the investigations never stop because he's garbage and then ducks eat him. Yeah, let, let's, hope, let's hope. I would love a weird, tragic spin-off phenomenon of like abnormal nature things to happen to him that causes death. It'd be amazing. That'd be yeah, I think yeah. That a lot of people would be happy. Yeah. Next is Dark Phoenix. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh I'm not a big nerd, but love at the X-Men series. My roommate who's much more of a nerd than me thinks it'll be tragically garbage because of the director. I'm excited though. I have my hopes up. Next we have James Charles versus Toddy Westbrook. Absolute bullshit. I think even though everyone has glossed over uh, the whole Coachella incident, I'm upset that her his whole predatory behavior got swept under the rug after everyone after he like made his little like quote unquote reconcile video. I think he needed to be canceled years ago. All right, and finally, things that people have canceled: the Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> I okay. This is if I really got into this, it wouldn't be quite a rapid fire because I've thought about this. To like an, uh, well, that's an why it's the last one, so you can talk can about I, it. May talk I? About I'll, it. I'll keep it as short as I can. Okay. I think everyone's ultimate disappointment with the way that this season went, and ultimately, sub- subsequently, the finale, was a hive mind incident, right? It started sure, off okay, with a couple okay, of okay. opinions. It snowballed. We all want to be part of the, you know, we all want to be part of the, the... The hegemony and the dem- you know the the demographic, so we all you know fall into this word like sheep, right? That right. the season was trash. Here's what I think: as one of the most scrutinized TV shows to ever probably exist on television history, right? By countless of not just like regular like super fans scrutinizing it to every final detail, it's going to be impossible for those people to make everyone happy. Those people being D and D, and like the producers of the show. So I think. They have to sacrifice, you know, and especially when there's so many characters. There's over 20 characters, major or supportive, that we've followed over the last nine years, you know. More than that if you read the books. And I think for us all to get our fairy tale ending that the general populace would deem a good season, quote-unquote, that would require every character getting the ending that each individual person fantasized for that character, Okay. Do, does that make sense? Do you understand yeah. how insurmountable that reality is? I think we could have gotten that if we had more time. We needed more than six episodes. But what I'm saying is, like, so let's say, like, what would be your, what would have been your perfect ending for, I'm thinking of any character, for Bran of Tarth, 
you know. I think for Brienne, I got that. Yeah. I think the characters that I didn't get it were definitely Cersei. Like, that was complete, utter bullshit. I, that's one of the um, few that I wish happened like, differently. She needed one last showdown. If you're going to kill her off, great. I love that decision. I needed one last showdown. I don't care who it was against. Give me Danny. Give me Arya. It needed a showdown. That was... Like, you can give me that poetic moment if she escapes or whatever. I need that moment of her seeing fear. Right. Not just crying in a window. Right. And, and though I agree with that, right, I, I've watched a lot of, like, forums and, like, read a lot of things. Yeah. And it's actually shifted my perspective. Like, so, for example, that would have been, like, what you would have deemed a good way for her to end, right? But then a lot of people, and now myself included, I've, like, I've like had a change of heart. There's something rather perfect to her, like, is running, like, running out of options, having no way out feeling absolutely trapped. There's something so great about, like, all of us having hated her for so long, now watching her cower, just waiting to die in this abyss with the one person left that she didn't cut out of her life. Like, that's just so pathetic and pitiful. So that's actually kind of a cool ending if that's the perspective you could put on it. But no one is... no. They're not going to be able to control the millions of people that follow it to want or have the same desires for every single character. So it's impossible to make everyone happy. I think they did what they could... And though there, I do feel like it was rushed, I wish we got more episodes, I think they did a good job being tasked with the impossible task of ending a show like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, I have a question from the fans in the fan corner. Cool. This is a question from Arya Durchi. Of course. You're a second degree ba- black belt. <laughs> yes. Does that influence your drag in any way, shape, or form? Not really, to be honest. Um, I mean, save for the couple of numbers that I do where I have a sword. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't influence anything except perhaps my dexterity when I am doing something a little bit more dancey. But uh, the only thing, I mean, more so than my actual lethality now, the thing that affects the way that my my martial arts background comes into my drag the most is my daddy issues. Because <laughs> my dad, that was his, that's his business. Like I, I was in his school from the age of four, you know, to, you know, right around like middle end of college is when I kind of, the daddy issues surmounted my want or desire to continue studying and, you know, et cetera. But I mean, that, that comes into play more with my drag than anything else at this point. The, the, the martial arts background, if anything affects that and like my confidence being in public and drag, because if, if I were ever to be attacked or assaulted, I could, hospitalize someone yeah so i i remind myself of that every time i step out the door if i'm going to take public transit and drag you know well i often always also conceal like a knife on me that's a fun fact about me if i'm in if i'm in the subways late at night at drag i genuinely will have a knife in my garment um just everyone knows now from my martial arts training my something i learned one of the things that you really think about when it comes to like practical use of your martial arts training is like always be prepared for everything at all times so whenever i'm on the subway even when i'm out of drag just a natural body instinct of mine is every time we get to a stop i look at who gets off who gets on i always know what my surroundings look like and so at night when people are fucked up or homeless people you know whatever it is i've had so many stories of my sisters being attacked there's always a switch like ready on me you know that way in case they brought a knife to the table it's not just my fists against their knife which i could also be fine with i you know whatever that's it there you go so I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Cute. So this is a question from Jacqueline Hyde. Okay. Would you ever audition for Drag Race? If yes, what would be the one thing that would keep you from doing it? 
would I ever audition? And if if I would audition, what would keep me from auditioning? Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to audition. People ask me this a lot, and I, I have a, a strong stance against it, um, which I can dive into if you want me to. Um, so, no, but I would... I mean, I wouldn't any. I wouldn't audition for any of the TV shows, but if I were to audition for one, it would actually be Dragula. I feel like I would be more suited for that as long as I get the Bianca Del Rio edit and do really good every week because once they have to pierce me with some sort of needle, I'd be like, well... It was great seeing you all. Um, have a good night. You know yeah. I mean? um, are, you, are you excited for season three? So excited. I am so excited. I love Dragula. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question. Cool. Uh, and I don't get to know who it is. I just ask one. You just ask a question. I like that. That's fun. Um, okay. If you... If, uh, what, what number have you thought of that you would want to do... But feel like you'll never be allowed to do it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, use hashtag Poppin' with Sherry. Ooh. Where can we find you on social media? You could find me on social media at its.sherrypoppins on Instagram. So that's I T S dot S H E R R Y P O P P I N S. You could find me on Facebook at Sherry Poppins. You could find me on Venmo at Sherry Poppins. Um,. And I'm not on Twitter or Tumblr, R.A.P., so that's basically it, Instagram and Facebook. Amazing. Well, yeah. thank you for being here. Thanks so much. This was actually so fun. Thanks for uh, popping my uh, podcast cherry. A huge thanks to Sherry for chatting. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. Make sure you engage with me on social media and tell me what's your favorite episode so far. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.